You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 140, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service and Netflix. You can come and see me, but I don't glow in the dark, so you're going to have to learn to use a little night vision. Then you must decide who resides in your heart, and babe, I know that's not an easy decision. Oh, I went bananas when I spoke to you on the Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 140. My name is Connor. I'm here with Ron. Josh. <laughs> I don't. I always go last. It's not like it's a surprise. <laughs> it's, you decided that. We didn't decide like, that. <laughs> Ron. Hello. <laughs> uh, we are iFanboy. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. And then one of us picks the best one, writes about it on the website, and we talk about it on this podcast, along with other books of the week and various topics of interest. And before we get started, we'd like to remind everyone this is a review show, and we will be talking about things that happened in this week's book, so we'll spoil things. So if you don't want to be spoiled, pause the show, read your books, come back. It'll be much more enjoyable. This week, Ron Richards had the pick. Thank you, Connor. And before I get started, let me just say, it is hot! <laughs> Ron's back in the East Coast where the heat is. Oh, my word. I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm going a little soft in San Francisco because it's like 95 degrees outside, and, I, and, I'm, and it's, not, it's not pretty, I'll be honest with you. He's not, he's, he's not kidding. No, I'm not. you gotta, you got to shut the windows and shut the stuff off to record these. So this, yeah. is, no air this is what we do yeah. for you. I'm not shirtless yet. <laughs> I almost time. was decided to be too weird, so I put a shirt on. <laughs> it's taking a turn. <laughs> anyway, all right. So uh, yeah, I had the pick of the week, and if you go to, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to preface this by saying the week was crappy. No, no, and I don't know if the week was crappy because I read good. Well, it was the week was different for me, and the reason why it was different for me was that I only bought ten books, and I found myself, you know, I spent twenty five thirty dollars. It was a little, it was a little change in pace for me. I was Sounds done. like you're complaining about that. No, 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 no. It just, it's, I didn't, I didn't quite understand it. It's like what? It's, it's like, it's kind of like when you, after flying first class for a long time, when you go back to coach, and you're just like, what is this? These seats are so close together. It's. <laughs> Let's, hey, you know what? Let's bring up other topics that Connor and I don't know anything about. <laughs> You know when you know when like you've been eating like sort of top shelf caviar and then you have to go back down to the regular uh, farm raised uh, beluga. Uh, that is not as good. Also, have you like I don't know if you've been in sort of the newer model roles, but they don't really compare to a lot of the engineering that was going on in the early nineties. Hey, I got upgraded to first class a couple times ago. That's pretty nice. One time I got yeah. into premium economy. I don't, yeah, I don't, oh, weird. No, I'm, I don't fly first class, whatever. I fly JetBlue, so it's all the same there. Nonetheless, so yeah, the week wasn't crappy. I mean, I, I, the books I bought were, were okay. They were good, but um, it, it was kind of interesting because I really did struggle with what to pick. Um, and, I, and of my ten books, I, I had like three or four books that I was wrestling with. And, you know, I netted out on The Sword, the sword Number 9 by the Luna Brothers from Image Comics at two ninety nine. And the reason why is because is I think I'm in the minority amongst the three of us, but I really like the Luna Brothers. I really like the, the uh, you know their art. I you know despite you know despite like something like their last book, Girls, not being the greatest throughout the entire run, I still enjoyed it and I still enjoyed buying it and all that kind of deal. And it's it's interesting though because you know I first, first discovered the Luna Brothers with their first book from Image called Ultra, which is about like a 
a female superhero. It was it was a kind of high concept kind of thing. It was like she worked at a company of superheroes type thing. It was really it was good, but it was only like five six issues. And then yeah, I liked that. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. And then girls came out, and I knew they were doing something different. I knew it was going to be a little more, I guess, horror or thrillery or whatever. But oh my god, that book just kept on going. And I thought it really suffered as they, you know, they would. It was twenty. I think it was twenty-four issues at the end of the day, and they they would get like six issues, and they get some momentum, and then they would slow it down, and they'd introduce a new sub subplot or introduce a new character, and it and like most of the times the subplots weren't benefiting the main plot of the story, and I just thought it was just it was kind of like it wasn't self indulgent, but it was just kind of not. Um, there was no economy of storytelling. The sword at issue number nine isn't quite there yet, but at, there have been moments in the nine issues so far that it's it's been kind of it's come close to it. But I was glad to see that issue number nine was the kind of issue that I would expect from them that thrust the story forward. Ha- stuff actually happens, and it actually you know like w- was exciting to read. The premise of the book is that there are these three kind of Greek god like char- god like characters who are pursuing. They're trying to find a, a ancient sword that is supposedly belongs to them that has great power. And they think they find it, and they go to this family in the suburbs, and they think that the father of the family has it, and he claims to never don't know who they are and doesn't know what they're talking about. And so they slaughter him and their his whole family, and they leave for dead the um, the daughter of the guy who's in a wheelchair, and she she falls into the basement trying to hide, and she uncovers the sword. Turns out he had the sword, and she she grabs the sword, and it heals her. She can walk, and then she's got powers. She can jump really high and fight and use the sword, and she gets into a fight with a bunch of the minions kind of things and then the cops come and they see her and her dead family and her with the sword and they think she did it so she goes on the run and so she's got she's on the run she's got a friend of hers and some dude they picked up along the way who was a student of her father's and they've pieced together over the past nine issues what's going on that the sword has powers that these greek godlike people are after them and she wants revenge for the for them killing her family so you've got the greek gods guy chasing her trying to get the sword you've got her then in turn trying to chase the greek god guys to get revenge and we've had that for the past eight issues now at the issue nine she gets into a fight with one of the greek god guys the zarakos or whatever it is um yeah, Zachros, and she's in the Bahamas, and turns out he's in the Bahamas, and he finds her before she does, and there's a huge fight in the in the women's bathroom, and he's got powers over water, so he like there's a great scene where the water comes rushing out of the toilets, and it you know kind of builds a wall around them, and then he kind of kicks the crap out of her, and then it ends with a strong cliffhanger of her standing there with the sword ready to fight, and it's just like this. Whereas Ultra was like kind of modern take on superheroes, and Girls was like horror that sort of thing. This feels like you know action movie, you know action movie with little ties to history. Um, how much? How much for sword? <laughs> how much you pay for sword? What two, three, half thousand? What? <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, and you know I mentioned this in the in the mini that came out. You check that out. But it's like if you're into if you're looking for something different in comics, I would recommend the Luna Brothers purely because their approach to the art and their approach to the stories are really unlike anything else is being told out there. And also because this week the first trade paperback came out, I think collecting the first seven issues or so, so you could catch up really quickly. And it's just it's just it's a different thing to read and. It's it's a lot of fun. For some reason, I've just never gotten around to reading any Luna Brothers stuff. I don't have a I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. Really, it's yeah. just I've never. I I guess I've always gotten sort of some people liked it, but a generally lukewarm reaction to it. So unless I, I guess unless I hear people thinking that oh this is really amazing stuff, but I've heard enough people that were like nah it was okay. Yeah. That I, I never really went after it. I guess. Yeah, I think they're slowly building a building a fan base or an audience because you know, the people I know people who love 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 them. Um, yeah. and, and I think precisely because of that that they're doing stories that aren't like anything else that's really out there 
I, the the girls thing was tough though because it's I have a hard people ask me what should I, you know should I check this out or whatever and I have a hard time recommending girls because it did just waver for me so much but the thing is I know people who bought that big you know kind of ultimate you know absolute edition that Image put out of it the hardcover and oversized the art is just beautiful and it just it's and and I know people who don't regret buying that book at all so say we will I mean I just I think that I think that they're a unique set of creators that are doing something different that are worth kind of watching. They did they did do that one book at Marvel, the Spider-Woman origin with Bendis, uh, which was good, which was good. It wasn't, you know, mind-blowing, but I liked it. You know, she was a scroll. Yeah, well. I don't know if you... It's kind of curious what they're going to do with that book, with, that, with, the, with, the, with the legendary Spider-Woman book that him and Maliv are going to do, right? Well, it's when she's going to come back. You think? And it'll actually be her. You think? Unless they that do, like... That book's never getting made. <laughs> no, that's not. That's true. <laughs> Sad. Yeah, I assumed I was the only person reading the sword. Yes. Yeah. You assumed correctly. I'm sorry. This is the monologue show. Yeah, this is totally the monologue show. <laughs> Look at the rundown. I see that this is the monologue <laughs> well, show. Well, well, here's the deal. Well, so so the the other book that was in the running for the POW was Shock of Shocks was Jonah Hex number thirty three. I would have fallen out of my chair had that been the case. Well, well, and here I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I'm sore, so I'm glad you didn't pick it and I didn't fall out of the chair. I don't want to know why you're sore. I'll tell you why I didn't pick it. Uh, So it's Jonah Hex number 33, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, with art by Darwin Cook. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm not really into the westerns, whereas Josh and Connor are, and that's that's cool. Um, Uh, Yeehaw. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I will, you know, Darwin Cook's drawn it, I'm there. I opened this book up. And the first thought I had in the first three pages was, Text. oh, there's a lot of words. Oh, Text. there's yep. a lot of words. I felt this was really overwritten. And the art, the art was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Darwin is one of my favorite artists, and he's amazing. And the several-page scene where he's taken down all the Mounties, like the three pages where he attacks the fort, was just beautiful visual storytelling, and the art was great. But it's, I couldn't get over the large amount of text throughout the entire issue. I liked it. I felt like it was dense, and it was a different kind of story they usually tell. It was like it was through this guy's this mute kid's head, right? And it was more like he was writing a book about this or a travel log or something. I, I liked that it was different than what their normal style was. It was different. They did write it for more for Darwin Cook than than their normal. Normally, that all that text would have bothered me, but I I got the point of it. I mean, the the fact is the kid's mute. He doesn't talk, so. He becomes a writer. He becomes a storyteller. And in the style of that time, they sort of overwrote a bit. The sort of benefit of it that I actually thought was interesting is that I ended up spending longer on the pages. Oh, yeah. So, like, I got to look at the art for longer because otherwise you're just sort of flipping through it and moving around. And literally at one point while I was reading this book, I went, I went, whew, that's, that's really good looking. Like, yeah. I was just like, man, that's really – and it was when the sort of snow started up. Yeah. And the pages got really, really full. And another thing I absolutely loved about this was that it w- the, the thing that Jonah Hex does is that you're constantly waiting for his uh, redemption. That's sorry. I'm sick. There you go. I don't know how I got a cold, but I did. Um, you're constantly <laughs> waiting for his redemption. And like, it's like it's never going to daddy's happen. love you're never going to get. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's so at the end, you're like, well, maybe now. He, and no, he smacks the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and yeah, this so, so flies in the face of everything where I've ever said, well, you should probably try to relate to or like the main character. He's such a jerk, but the thing is you want to like him or you want him to like you. I'm not sure what it is. Right. 
I mean, the, the gist of the story being that a kid and his dad are out hunting. The kid, the kid's dad dies. Jonah Hex stumbles upon, saves the kid. Then the Mounties find Jonah Hex and they try to kill him. And Jonah Hex gets his revenge. And you think, you know, in any other western, he takes the kid under his wing, and then they go have adventures together. But like you said, he smacks him and leaves him for dead. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't think he was going to take him with him and have adventures with him. But I didn't think he would actually just hit him. I mean, <laughs> the kids had a hell of a day, and he saved your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, but that's Jonah Hex. That's why you love him because he is—he is that hard man. Besides, the kid learned a valuable lesson about life. Mm-hmm. And that is that life is hard. Pick up a say, rifle. <laughs> I'm gonna say how much I respect uh, Palmiotti and Gray for just continually not giving us that. Oh yeah. Like you know, like you know, the writer instinct in them somewhere must say you know somewhere like here. Well, we have to have him do something good, and they have to keep going. No, no, he must continue to be a huge bastard. What, what I want to know is where did he get a, uh, a team of dogs of a dog sled? He knows lots of Indians. He's <laughs> sort of friendly with those guys. He was raised by Apaches. So, yeah. and so they've got, they've got uh, timber wolves to, to, dra- dra- to drag a sled? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apaches and snake guides all have timber wolves. wolves. Wolves and dogs are difficult to draw. And even, and even oh, a couple man, of pants. That wolf at the end? Yeah. With the teeth? When Even a couple in here, I was like, ooh, Darwin, you didn't quite get it. But I've been listening to artists. I've seen a couple of artists say that like wolves and dogs and horses are really, really difficult to draw. I've been listening to around comics. I guess that was it. But yeah. like, I was noticing it in this. <laughs> yeah. I also is- felt like his art was a little heavier. Like He altered his style just a bit. A lot I, I of the, the inking was, was, was like he did, a, he did a rougher style, which worked with the storytelling. I definitely got that same feeling. It wasn't mm-hmm. as clean and big as, like, say, New Frontier. It was more. It was more dirty, which was nice. Well, if you uh-huh. look at the, and if you look at the coloring, I mean, like specifically, like the the sequence where they throw him in the water, you know, and like just the way that it, it I mean, because it's a winter tale, so it it felt even you know as we're sitting here in ninety five degrees weather, the book felt cold. Yeah, you no, know, absolutely. I, th- I think that came from the color palette and from you know Dave like, Stewart. Dave Stewart. Yeah. yeah. One of the best. One, one you know what was best. interesting to me was that they made the Mounties the bad guys. I didn't yeah. think that that was going to happen. Well, they just are Canadian. Because, I mean, well, I know. But, well, just because because Cook, Cook was like, you have to do, you know, you, you're gonna. He was he sold told us, you know, you got to do a Canadian Mountie story. So I figured, well, they they would probably he, make them. He's he's not one for authority. <laughs> yeah, and was very happy to do a story where the Mounties were bad guys. From what well, I've learned, they get stabbed with an icicle pick. Like that yeah. was just great. <laughs> he doesn't like the the police. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, Oh, Darwin. It's, it, I mean, it was a good story. It was a good, I mean, it just didn't, I mean, it didn't grab me the way, I think any other week, either you guys, you guys probably, would, was this your pick or? Um, wow. Maybe. Wow. I, don't I, don't, I, I did not have a clear pick this week. That's kind of No, I didn't was. either. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, it was a rough I, week. I, no, I definitely had a lot of books I liked, but there wasn't like the book that was like, yep. this is the book. I'm very glad could, I didn't have to pick it. could have been Jonah Hex. It could have been a couple other books we're going to talk about, but there wasn't one that was clearly when you read it and you go, that's the one. Even Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh. 16. Ooh, I got, I, got, I got fighting words for Buffy. Okay. I, I found myself disgusted at the end of this issue, and okay. I don't know what it was, and then I figured it out, and that nothing, nothing against Carl Moline, but I want George's Janty back. Yeah, but you didn't read Frey, did you? Well, no, I didn't read Frey, but I, he's, you gave, he's, he's the guy from Frey. He's the Frey. Oh, okay, artist. well, I'm, I have Frey. You lent it to me. I'm going to read it, so I get this. And I was able to read the story, okay, but to me, this felt like after the fantastic last arc that we had, this felt like a bit like the the air being let out of a balloon. It was. It definitely wasn't as good as the last arc, but I mean, the 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 reason well, I didn't have a problem with the art, even though in a couple of panels it was really bad, but yeah. overall, I thought it was good. Was because he's the Frey artist, so you know it's, it's a nice touch to have so the Frey consistent. story be drawn by the Frey artist. Yeah. yeah, 
but there was a couple of panels where like just there's one of Willow in the in the plane where her nose is like humongous. But oh, there's one of but when Buffy sees Dawn as Dawn Dawn's become a uh, Minotaur or whatever it is. There's the one shot of uh, a couple shots of Buffy though. It's like I was like oh you know yeah. Um, I mean, it's just I mean it works within the context if you're if you like Frey if you're if you're a Frey yeah. fan the Frey story job by the Frey artist makes sense. It was it was fun. It just wasn't like you know. It would have been, anything would have come after that last arc would have been would have been hard though. Yeah, it felt it felt like a big it felt like a big letdown to me, and I I got very upset by it. So. You should read the Frey book; you might like it better. Oh no, I'm so going to. Yeah, so. he has gotten better since Frey. He's better here. Yeah. Well, yeah, is there but, an end to this arc? Like this, because this is supposed to be the eighth season, right? So yeah, is so there I guess like, like twenty two or twenty three? I guess maybe or. Yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure. We should find out. It was important to note that the Buffy the Vampire Slayer number sixteen. It was it was written by Joss Whedon, and it was funny because I I knew that going into it, and I was just like, I kind of miss Drew Goddard. <laughs> he's, he's really he he brings a touch of magic. That Whedon yeah. is look Whedon's very good. He's one of the one of the, my favorite writers. But Drew Goddard brought something special to that last. Well, arc, which honestly, I I, th- I feel like Whedon's kind of. I mean, like I think Whedon's great, and I think he's fantastic. But after you know, Runaways finally finished, and that was a big letdown. And then with this, it's like, man, maybe not everything he touches is gold. You could know. just stay on X Men forever. Yeah, no, be... exactly. Stay on Astonishing X Men, please. Um, Although I, I like, I like, I like the Don, the Don turning into a Minotaur. That was pretty funny. Though. Yeah, that was. I don't think Runaways would have been that bad if we had gotten it pretty regularly. It was all. Over. It, I, I, I don't know the, the time travel story. Just, I just, I didn't really. Yeah, like but it, it was yeah. because of that. It was very confusing. I mean, I felt the, sa- I felt the exact same confusion about Astonishing X Men. Really, it's just. For a while, I mean, I used to come back into every issue of Astonishing X Men, like, who are these people and what's going on? I never had that problem with Astonishing. Yeah. Well, That's I okay. did. It's so. okay. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it happens. I mean, but I really think the delays on that. The, de- <laughs> the delays on that really hurt it. <laughs> no, it definitely didn't help. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, there's one shot of Buffy eating that's just not good. Yeah, but that's his style. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I miss Joe Gentis too, but it, ma- it makes sense. You know, this is the kind of thing you normally would like. If there was a, a book where the a guest star came in and that guest star's artist drew it, you'd be all yeah. over it if you, if you knew that. Yeah, you true, know right. I mean? No, if there's, cont- if there's context. Yeah, but, no, but I just thought it was funny because, you know, for the past 15 issues reading Buffy, it's always been about the writing, the writing, and yeah, the art's okay, whatever. And then I found myself missing the, uh, George Gentis. So See, I've, I've, I've always thought George Gentis was, was a big contributor. He was 50% of why I like that book so much. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. So. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, so whatever. But it, but the Buffy train rolls on. Oh, Buffy, it's still very good. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you give up on this on the show? Are you still watching the show? Or did you stop? Oh no, I just I just I, I just finished season two actually finally and 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 I got, oh my god you had that set for uh, two years. No, well the problem is the TV season got in the way and then there was the writer strike and I watched a couple more and I live a busy life. And it hasn't been two years. It's been like a year. No, it hasn't been two years. Uh, no, because the comics only been coming out. This is sixteen issues. So it's a year and a half, maybe. No, but that said, the thing with the Buffy show, and and I know this is a little off topic, but I think we I think you'll indulge me for a moment. The thing with the Buffy show, at least through the first two seasons, is that unlike a show like Lost or or you know, Heroes to a certain degree, or the other TV shows that I like, insert TV show here, Buffy hasn't grabbed me with that. Oh my God, I need to watch the next episode feeling. Um, right. That other shows have, and that was the problem I had when I watched it on TV. I remember when it moved. I remember when Buffy was in college, and she went out with that guy who looked like Nick Lachey. Um, I stopped watching at that point. Yeah, that's but when th- I, that's when that's when I start. That's when I started watching. I think it was senior year of college, and I started watching it there, and it didn't. And I was like, and I went out, and I missed the I missed the week, and I forgot to tape it, and I was just like, oh, oh well. Like I didn't. I wasn't like bummed, you know. Like it didn't grab me. But that said, the end of season two was really good. 
Like I yeah. love Jamie Marsters. I love Spike. He was awesome. I, Angel is uh, Dave Borneas is all, like it's like I see the pieces falling into place. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna dive right into season three and get that watch that really quickly. See if see if I just like if I miss the opportunity to get the momentum. I, it just doesn't feel crucial to me. I understand. Uh, yeah, so. I felt I felt that way halfway. That's why I stopped watching it with four or five. Yeah. Whatever. So it's 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 not like the Shield. No, or sorry, here I don't uh, watch the Shield. Yeah, yeah, that's what well, I've heard. Well, if you did, you'd, wa- you'd want to watch the next one yeah. immediately, well. to detriment of your own sleep <laughs> for, de- for a week. Us and your father were wrong. All right, <laughs> Batman six seventy eight. I'm very curious to hear what everyone thought of. That's a good question. Well, I didn't read that's it. That's a so. very. Oh, I did. Uh, <laughs> but when I closed it, I went, "What the hell just happened?" But looking back through it now, I mean, there was, I think for me, there was parts of this book that were very lucid and interesting, but I don't know how they got to where they were. Like, I kind of do. It's almost like Morrison is, is skipping a bunch of stuff and sort of just dropping us along the next part of the path, and then we have, you know, you have to fill in the middle on how he got there. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I mean, like, all of a sudden, Batman's wandering the street on smack or something like that, and I was like, I, didn't, I couldn't remember exactly how he got there. I got that he was there. And then he communed with a dead man, a dead junkie. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what all these things have to do with one another. I definitely, it, I mean, that he's definitely skipping stuff, and it's an interesting choice to make, although I'm not having a problem filling the blanks in. This issue is basically one, one long drug-induced haze where Bruce Wayne was injected with some sort of weaponized crystal meth or something. What was it? What, something strange Something like that, like that yeah. Weapons-grade crystal meth, street heroin, both of them. Both of them. Fantastic. So... Batman is walking around with a dead guy. He's he's having hallucinations about past uh, adventures that were retconned out by Crisis and Infinite Earths. That's the whole. Mm-hmm. The last page was from an old old Batman comic, and then the Robin dies at dawn in the Notebook. That's an old Batman comic story. Oh, see, I didn't uh, know any of that. Yeah, so he's he's hallucinating is... about stuff that's had, that's been retconned out by the Crisis event. Okay, because this basically this book is not written for someone who's a casual. Reader, I no. Don't think. Well, as we ta- we talked to Grant Morrison in that that show, and he said he was he was bringing in everything, yeah, everything from the from the from the first appearance to now. So basically, the whole seventy plus years, yes, yeah, sixty nine years of of history is, is fair game here. So yeah, pretty much. I guess, but I mean, who does that really serve? Not many. Not many. I mean, so so really, like, think about it. Especially, I'm, I just wonder how wise of a business decision it is for DC. At this point, you know, when they've got this movie that's arguably going to be gigantic, you know, to, to make Batman almost incomprehensible, at least this version of it. Detective Comics, you know, a different animal altogether. Um, uh, well, I mean, that's a whole long discussion with it. I mean, they, uh, you know, sure. they, they, they didn't like the, they, apparently they didn't like the initial Final Crisis script. And they, they, they said it. That's what caused them to freak out. They almost lost Graham Morrison again. They don't really have any people left they can lose. So they have to kind of indulge him. And this is what they get. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not an easy answer. They, you know. they, so, and then at the end, like, and this is in continuity because they fucked up Dick Grayson. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's in continuity as anything is, you know? None of it yeah, really, really gets to go together. And I was Dick kind Grayson. of like, okay, I was rolling with it. I mean, I, I'll be honest, like, it really, I mean, it, it sort of bothers me to see Bruce Wayne like this. So this is the first of, time he's been a drug addict. He was a drug addict um, in the 90s. He was hooked on the, yes. the drug that made, that made Bane a, a big. He, yes. he, All right, yeah. No, injected himself with that stuff, and he was a drug addict for a while on that. So this is not totally. Oh, I know, and and that's fine. But like, it's funny to this guy who is in absolute control of himself and all this stuff. You know, it's disturbing. I right, think a little totally. bit to watch him be in this sort of weak position, and and this other guy, Honor, is 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 you know guiding him around, and he's just kind of confused and lame. And it's like, well, is is there any of actual Bruce Wayne in there? You know. 
Well, that's part of that. I think it's supposed to be disturbing. That's what the yeah. point is. And then, and then I get to the last page, and I don't get that at all. That was a, was a reference to an old Batman story, which, right. again, you know. Right, right, right. At the, at, at the end of the day, I think, like, like Final Crisis, like, it's a lot of morgues and stuff, so we won't be able to really judge how successful he is until the story's wrapped up and we see if it all makes sense or it doesn't. Sure. Whether we have to get the filth or we get something else, is, we'll find out. <laughs> This is this one's this one's it's a rough read. I, I I there are bits of it like I said there are pages and stuff in it that are really good. It almost feels to me like if it I don't know I I, I can't I can't put my finger on it. I can't say I'm enjoying it, but I'm not I'm not mad at it. I don't want to sit. Maybe it's one of those things where like, I'm blaming myself. Like oh, you should be enjoying this. You should be getting this. I ain't mad at you, baby. <laughs> um, well, next week next week will be interesting because next week is the Detective Comics R.I.P. tie-in. So we'll see if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like we'll I'll, see I'll how the, I'll be the litmus test for that. We'll see if that if you know other writers writing about what's happening here, you know how that works. Yeah, they're they're at home going. I don't I don't know what Grant's doing. <laughs> I don't I don't get it <laughs> at all. Help! <laughs> Astonishing X Men number twenty five, written by Warren Ellis, art by Simone Bianchi. So begins the next gener- the next chapter of the, the Astonishing X Men title. It was announced last year at San Diego. One year ago. One year ago in a couple of weeks. This month. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm curious to hear what, what, what y'all think of it. I, I don't acknowledge this comic's right to exist, but I did um, <laughs> I did not buy it, but I did read Ron's copy yeah. uh, because I wanted to be able to talk about it. Uh, at least I wanted to be able to read one issue to make sure that I wasn't like going to be wrong, and I was really glad to not have wasted money on this comic. All right. I'll go you one better. Actually, I was planning on reading it, and then I talked to Connor, and then I kept putting it off, and I haven't read it. <laughs> because I really I, – I didn't expect to enjoy it at all. Yeah. And so after Connor very adamantly was like, you don't – it's not, it's fine. I, I have no desire to read it, and I just didn't get to it. All right. So, then, all right, so you're out, so you go back on the bench. So, Connor, <laughs> what, what, do you, what, do you, what didn't you like about it? It was basically what I was expecting was was Warnell's doing work for higher superhero stuff, which was, yeah. you know, not his not his A game. His sort of he's almost writing a parody of himself. Everybody was quippy. Everybody was talking like Warnell's characters talk, and yeah. and in superhero comics, which is different from how he when, when he's really writing with stuff like Fell and stuff you know stuff that yeah. he really is, is into. You can tell the difference. The tone was just completely off. I was actually talking to. Uh, I fanboy writer Paul about this. He said he felt like his issue was missing pages, and I felt that's how well, that, that really encapsulates it. I felt like well, and, it was just too confusing. There was stuff that happened. I was like, "What?" But not even between last issue and this issue, but in the issue itself, it didn't make sense. Right. Well, I didn't, well, I didn't like how he wrote half the characters. I just didn't like, and the art was not good. Well, yeah. Well, well, okay. So now, so where I weigh in on it is that, like, I gave it, I give it like, um, I, jeez, ah, I don't know. On the I fanboy scale, I probably get. I think I gave it a three. And here's why is that like Simone Bianchi's art like physically makes me wretch. Like I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hated it on Wolverine with Loeb. I, like I understand that that's a style and that's what he does. Everything. It's just not for me. He's um, really good. He, he used to be good. He was good on Seven Soldiers. Seven Soldiers was yeah. excellent. Yeah, but I then was he surprised. didn't. Then he changed. I don't this know what should, yeah, well, yeah. I guess he's hanging out with Carlos Pacheco. It's just, it, it just, I just don't like it. I don't like the coloring. I don't like the look of it. I don't like, I don't like the way they people look. They talk. They act. They walk. I just don't like it. Don't like it. Now Ellis's writing, though, I I see what you're saying about it being kind of Ellis characters, and I wonder. 
I don't know. I wonder how much of that is your just general bias against Ellis doing superhero stuff, which don't I, mean, I don't have a bias what? about it. I just yeah. think he's not, you can tell the difference between. Right. I, did, I didn't think I didn't think it was awful. And as the as the resident X Men fan, I didn't think it was terribly out of character. Or it was like that. Nobody would say that. Or whatever. I thought some of the interactions were okay. I did get that same pages missing feeling. Both in the story, but also it just again, again in, th- in terms of the, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing the continuity card, and you know, harp on me if you want, but it just dry, it, I, like I wish Uncanny 500 came out first, because because what we have is we have the X Men established in San Francisco in a base with you know the status quo all set in motion, and there was no bridge between the events of the last Whedon Cassidy issue and this issue, and if Uncanny 500 is supposed to be that bridge that sets the new status quo, that hasn't come out yet. So I was left. I, I, I was left going. How did they get here? Why are they here? What is what is the angel doing? What is it? Wh- how did they get that ship? What is this? And like, I left me with a lot and a lot of questions, not in a good way. I think that this book just exists. I don't think it's well. No, no, it's tied in now. It's tied in. Is it? It's tied in. And that that goes back to the thought as to whether or not you whether or not you take this book and you give it the Whedon Cassidy treatment and you and you have it exist within a few days in between the stories of the General X universe, or if it's an X book. This is an X book. They're in San Francisco. It's the new status quo. It's the I, I guess there's like there's a residence where they all live, and then there's a base across the bay and um you know by the Golden Gate Bridge or something. Like, I don't know. It feels to me like it's kind of a lame attempt to to keep Astonishing X Men going where it has no right to keep going. Like, well, I, I, I we're just, selling it, you yeah. know. Like, so let's put people on it and see if people will keep buying it, even though it has nothing to do with. Well, it's, it's you don't want to you, you know don't give up a good thing, you know what I mean? Like, it's a top selling book, so. but it's over. The good yeah. thing is over. Right. Well, Joss Whedon and John Cassidy doing that story is over. Right. That was a maxi series. This has nothing to do with that. So why is it on the same title? Well, because it's, it's actually an ongoing. Yeah, but <laughs> you you so, can say that all you want, but right, you no. both feeling the fact that it doesn't seem right. Well, they're running a business, and they're and they're making a decision based on that. That people connect astonishing X Men with good, and unfortunately, I, I mean, I don't think I didn't have the same violent reaction Connor did, but it's not definitely not the same, and it definitely bugged me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Just I I remember like looking at the two creators and just going, "That's a completely different tone." It's not even like they're trying to continue what was set before. It's just right. let's do something completely different. This which, probably you know, would have been a choice. lot. It probably would have been a lot better. Like Ellis as a writer is fine. I'll go with it if he uh, hopefully he doesn't crap out like he has on Thunderbolts or whatever. But like if it, you know, just put Marcos Martin on it, and I'll be happy. <laughs> that's your, that's your solution for everything. That's my that's solution for everything. Josh wanted to talk about the boys. It's issue number twenty, and I finally get it. I know what this whole title is about now. And what is that? It's about what would happen in a real world if there were superheroes, and the the what would happen badly is that corporations and 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 irresponsible governments would manage it badly, and it would be a huge disaster. That's what this book is about. Okay. It's about the fact that the people who actually you know, just like in the real world, a lot of the people who end up with a lot of power are are selfish, awful people. That's the same way that's happening here. And, you know, you fight that with more awful people. And that's what this book is about. It's basically, there's a big, it's not a conspiracy, but, like, the entire superhero program is run by, you know, money-grubbing corporations and, and warmongers. That's the whole point of it. This book's getting better. Uh, you know, the, I, it took a long time to get to where it's at, but it, I, it's in a really good place. I mean, it's, it's Garth Ennis. You know, and it's actually a very different book than a lot of the stuff that Garth Ennis has done before, which I think is somewhat notable because there's been times in the past where he kind of does a formula and has a thing, and he's he's getting away from that in this. And it is interesting. I want to know what's going to happen next. There are a couple of really great pages in this. There's a 
ever since the beginning, there's this, there's the character Butcher, who's sort of the head of the boys, and he's you know got this mad on for superheroes, but you never know why. And so there's this whole scene where he, it, it was started in the last issue, and it's this one. He's standing on the roof with the Homelander, who's like their their Superman character or whatever, and the Homelander's just looking at him, going, "What did I do to you? It's got to be something. I can tell it's something. Wife, lover, what? And it, it goes on for pages, and Butcher never says a word. He just looks at them. It's actually a really nice set of pages, but uh, this book's gotten better and better. Cool. I'm glad I stuck with it. Okay, next. All right, next is, this is a long title, Hellblazer Presents Chaz, The Knowledge, number one. Chaz, <laughs> is, Chaz is a side character from Hellblazer. He's, the, he's a taxi driver who drives John around a lot. He's a London cabbie, if that you know, means anything to you. You'll sort of Shia get a nice No. Good Wasn't Lord. he Shia LaBeouf in the movie? Wasn't he in the movie Shia LaBeouf? Was he? Oh, yeah, he was. He was in Constantine. Yeah, yeah. He was. Well, yeah. then they got that. I didn't know the character all that well at the time. I guess it was, but it's nothing like that. Think of more like a surly 45-year-old London cab driver. It's more like that. Like, you so know. I think of Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Exactly. Shia and, LaBeouf. and basically in the beginning of this, John Constantine goes somewhere on a plane somewhere else, and you just spend a lot of time with Chaz who's this really normal guy who's wrapped up in a really abnormal world of John Constantine. And like I said, I've been reading a lot more Hellblazer lately, so I am more familiar with the character. And basically, like, this is, has a lot to do with uh, London cabbies and stuff like that. And, 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 like, there's a couple of younger guys who are trying to take the test to become, to get, like, their license there. And, and you have to memorize all the 25,000 streets in London and all the main routes and all the, like, to get your license. And... It's just this fascinating otherworldly thing that they're doing like in the world of, of Hellblazer. And of course, there's some magical thing that's going wrong uh, in the meantime about it. But the actual like looking into what it is, like the, the history and, and, uh, of, being a, of being a London cabbie and all that stuff is, is a really interesting part of this. This was, was written by Simon Oliver, who did, uh, who did The Exterminators. Ah, the failure. Uh, with the uh, art by Goran Suzuka, uh, I believe, who did... Did he do the, the, the Why the Last Man fill-ins? Yes. Yeah. It's a different style than that, though, just a little bit. He's changed it up a little bit. This was a really fun, it's a five-issue mini, and if you, you, know, if you like Hellblazer, you'll probably like this. It was good. I liked it. Is it, is it all about cab driving? Uh, it might be. But I think, I think it's going to get into the idea that, like, like anything in London, when you go back 400 years, there's a lot of mysticism involved with it. Sort of like you know, when you read uh, you know, um, From Hell. Yep. All the stuff that's in, in London that you just take for granted as being normal stuff is all based in this weird Masonic you know, superstition and, and uh, magical background. So it's cool. like that kind of thing. It was good. And then I'm going to do the third one. I'm going right through them. All right. Well, this, wow. this, this is the shocking one. This is the shocking one. Okay. It turns out that I got to the end of the last Walking Dead trade, and then I saw that – and that ended with 48, and then I saw that the new – one that came out was 50, so I got 49, and I decided to see what it would be like to read it in issue. I just wanted to try it one time in college. It's not a big deal. <laughs> so I, I read the last two regular issues of The Walking Dead. Which So this would mark the very first time that we've ever talked about a Walking Dead issue on right. the show. And, and are you now reading it in issues? I don't know, because <laughs> I will tell you one thing. Those issues read fast. Yeah. I mean – Lightning got to the well, end. Well, the, the page trays of- read lightning fast. I can only imagine the issue. Oh my god! I literally was like, "Whoa!" Did I skip pages? And then I read and I read the next one, and the exact same thing happened. Yeah. That being said, they were both excellent. The art. Uh, I mean, I can't. I don't want to because I know so many people read it in trade as well as you two. 
I, I don't want to give away too much. And, and not a lot has happened between these two, but they're very small, intimate stories that happen that have to do with uh, Carl, uh, the son, and, and him having to grow up very, very fast. And there's a little, it's a, like one the, like of those. The, like the Flash's kids? <laughs> no. Well, sort of, but not bulgy. Okay. <laughs> Not now this kid, I looked it up on Wikipedia. This kid is supposed to be seven years old. Yeah. No uh, way. He's not talking like a seven-year-old in this one. So I don't know how long it's been. Maybe two years. Yeah. But if you've read the last trade, he's been through some shit. I mean, yes. in addition to the shit that he's been through, he's really been through some shit. I have no idea what you're talking about because I'm on hardcovers. It, uh, well, I don't know where <laughs> yeah. you are in the whole thing. Uh, the, f- the, uh, the 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 prison? No, the riot gear, and then the the other town type thing. Okay, so, okay, right. Yeah, so they found yeah. the prison. Yeah, they, they found they, the other. In the prison, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not so far back in the in the long overall timeline. Now yeah. that could be twelve issues, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, the other thing is is Charlie Adlard really, really went to town with this one. Lots of heavy blacks and and faces and and just very quiet suspense and pain and fear and all that stuff that, that this book is so good for. Nothing shocking, nothing horrible happened in them. Good. I don't know if I'll keep reading it like this because I, you know, it's because I, I would read on iFanboy, people would freak out about every single issue. And I thought, well, that must be fun to read an issue, but they do go fast, and so it maybe is not quite as satisfying. Okay. And, and finally, um, you, you guys read the, the new Hellboy? Hellboy the Crooked Man, number one. The Crooked Man, number one of three. Yep. Um, yep. We're actually this is going to show up uh, in a video show very soon, um, so we're not going to go into too much depth on it. But I just wanted to bring it up because a uh, Mignola didn't do the art on this; Richard Corbin did the art. Yeah. Uh, Richard Corbin, if anybody had to fill in, he's a very famous sort of hoarder artist, very detailed sort of stipply pen work. This is this was a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and an- yet another example. And I don't know how Hellboy can do this where nobody else can, but another example of you can jump onto Hellboy and BBRD stuff almost at any point. Yeah. And you can get it and you Just know what's going it. on. Yeah, yeah. And this is Hellboy in American Appalachians uh, in 1958. 1958, yeah. so that makes him about 10, 11 years old, but he grew up faster, so... Um, like the Flash's he, kids? He, he liked it. <laughs> yeah, but he did get bulky, but not in yeah. a creepy way. Yeah. Cool. So good. Um, real, real quickly, I don't, um, Amazing Spider-Man number 564, I just love the villain in it. It's the guy whose power is to turn car, to pimp cars out. It was just, it was just so much fun. It was just like that, like it was just it was just more fun. It was a gang writing. I just I just remembered it now. It was uh, Guggenheim, Gale, and Slot all wrote it together, and it just seemed like a fun fun issue, fun romp. Yeah, it was. It was it was it Exhibit. No, what was the guy? Yes, name? is Exhibit or Overdrive? It was Overdrive. Yeah, Overdrive, where he like t- t- like he touches a, a sports car and it turns all black with like these green you know like kind of exhaust pipes, and then he crashes the car and he jumps in a school bus and touches it and the. It turns black with the green kind of like Optimus Prime kind of exhaust vertical pipes and like it was just like, what a thoroughly useless power. I know, but it was just that, funny. that could be in no way based in scientific biological knowledge. But, yeah, but whatever. That's that's comics. It's fun. Although there was one, there was one thing about it that was bad. Was that in the in the, in the episode, issue, Peter Parker's roommate is off duty. He's a cop. Yeah. He's going to Yankee game. He chases down the whole crime and then. At the end of it, his like boss, the lieutenant, says, "You shouldn't have done that. You were off duty. You should have yeah. a life." And I was like, "There's no fucking <laughs> cop that would say, hey, don't worry about the school bus full of kids that's been kidnapped. You were off duty. You shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been well, involved." Well, he called it in. That's what he should have done. And he left his dad. He missed his dad at the Yankee game. I was like, "There's no cop in New York City that would ever say, don't chase yeah, the school no. bus full of kids because yeah. you were off duty.' That was stupid." Yeah. Oh, well. But other than that, it was a fun issue. Yeah. All right. I bet. I bet there's one somewhere. <laughs> 
Like a fat guy who's about to retire who wasn't very good. Anyway. Those two guys from the first season of The Wire? Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to get any of these comics and you go to Discount Comic Book Service, they offer monthly specials up to 75% off with 40% off all of the major publishers and a flat rate shipping fee of five ninety five. if you're in the United States. You can buy anything that's in previews and they have over 5,400 trade paper- paperbacks in stocks available for order. And you can track your orders online using www.dcbservice.com. Yay. Not a lot of comic books came out, but uh, luckily other folks at ifanboy.com read the books that we didn't or didn't get a chance to talk about. And so our first uh, user, you know, ifanboy user review comes from Dave Graham, who wrote about Storming Paradise number one. Storming Paradise number one. Story, he gave a four out of five, an art of four out of five. And um, did either of you guys pick this up or look at this or? I have not heard about this until I looked into the script right now to yep. see Dave Graham talking about it. Yeah, so it was written by Chuck Dixon and art by Butch Geis. It was published by DC Comics. I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, Dave Graham writes that Dixon weaves a compelling beginning, spinning a well-thought-out uh, well twist to something I was, uh, I was expecting to be straightforward. Geis compa- uh, com- uh, captures a lot of detail. I can't read for some reason. The heat. Geis captures a lot of the detail in the war machines he draws and an equal amount of drama in the people he portrays. I give this my highest recommendation for anyone who enjoys war stories in a slightly unreal world, but the appropriate uncelebratory tone the premise how, how, the premise how can he of this give his highest recommendation if he's only giving it a four out of five yeah. The premise of this book I thought was really interesting is that it's a World War II book but it, it's like almost like a what if where what if we didn't drop the bomb, bomb on Japan rather we invaded mm-hmm. and it just it, I, I mean I didn't pick it up my, my store didn't get it but I'm going to go back and look for it because it sounds completely compelling and completely interesting Dix, um, Dixon's a war guy and Geis, yeah. is, and Geis he, he's filled in on Captain America and stuff like that he's not yeah. he's no bad chase himself either so yeah, wow. so I thought that was an interesting one. Um, what so does this have to do with DC, I wonder? It's Wildstorm. It's Wildstorm, is it? Air. Yeah. yeah. Ah, interesting. That yeah. sounds like something I might like. Yeah. And then real quickly, I just saw, I just saw on the site on ifanboy.com that Comic Dork 37 wrote about Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam, number one, which is written in... Uh, Mike Kunkel. Mike Kunkel. And he says um, he gives the story a four out of five and the art a five out of five. And he says, this is a fun read for all ages with beautiful art, as always, from Mike Kunkel. If you enjoyed Hero Bear, Hero Kid, Hero Bear and the Kid, you will love this as well. The first issue is an origin story that gives you all the info you need to understand Shazam, as well as sets up the mysterious villain for the rest of the series. This is uh, Tiny Titans and then Super Friends were some of the books that John on EDC line. They announced this book last year at Chicago. I've been waiting for it. I didn't. I forgot it came out this week, so I want to go back and pick it because Kunkel is awesome. Kunkel's great. Hero Brown and the great and the kid was really good. Yeah. Right up until the fifth issue when it got weird. Yeah. So yeah. So head over to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. Check out the other uh, comic reviews that other people have written and pull your comics and write reviews. Let everyone know what you think of comics. And after you're done with that and you have a TV, you should go to the Netflix. Uh, over ninety thousand titles. No late fees. Free shipping both ways. Blu-ray titles for the high definition, uh, fast delivery, usually in a day to get there or to go the other way. They can get a free two-week trial if you go to www.netflix.com slash ifanboy. We would thank you for doing so. All right, so on the email, um, our first email comes from Jake or J4K3 on ifanboy, who says that this is pretty, uh, pretty much a question for Josh, but I'd love to know what all three of you think. Because I haven't talked enough. <laughs> Josh said on the video podcast for Wanted that he was very uncomfortable with the story because of its themes and that Wanted is part of the reason he doesn't read much or any of Mark Miller's other work. I agree on the topic of Wanted, but his latest books for Marvel, Kick-Ass and Marvel 1985, have been a great ride for me. I would even go so far as to say that Marvel 1985 has really reminded me why I fell in love with comics. Kick-Ass, while very mature, is, is nowhere near on the same level dark themes as Wanted, but is made for a great story. John Romita Jr. is also the best of this, is also at his best on this book. I highly recommend the Kick-Ass Number One Director's Cut Edition, which I believe just came out last month. Both books have been very fun and worth the cover price. 
Oh, I Jake mean, work for Marvel? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> did you not listen? To, we talked about all those books a lot. We I did. mean, I mean, uh, Kickass is fucked up. <laughs> as far as I understand, I mean, I would take issue with Kickass. Um, what did he say here? Uh, something about the story. It doesn't have a story yet. Right. I mean, no Kick-Ass Kick-Ass is nowhere yet. near the same level Dark Themes is wanted and has made for a great story. Yeah, there's no story yet. <laughs> there's, been a lot of se- there's been a lot of scenes with no connective tissue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 1985, uh, though, is, is right now one of the, the best things going right now, if you ask yes, me. Yeah, I agree with that. that. I, I, and again, I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I don't, I've got a thing. I don't really like Mark Miller's work all that much for whatever you reason. You hate Scotsman. <laughs> you That's and not true at Morrison. all. I like Grant Morrison, but you know, like a lot of people have liked it, you know. So there must be something to that. You, you guys like it, yeah. yes? Yeah, not kick ass so much as '85. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I'm keep. I really, you know, I do keep waiting for Mark Miller to be to do the story that because I keep buying everything he does because I want to like the stuff, but I just don't. I really liked his authority. That was years ago. Jeez, I know. Did that, you like that, Super- that kept me- Superman Red Sun? Did you like that? I didn't love it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna buy at least the first issue of his uh, Image War series there, yeah. with Tony Harris. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, war stories. War, well, there, no, not War stories. Yeah. That's no, because that's the War Heroes. War Heroes. Thanks. Especially. War stories is yeah. the Garth Ennis one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez, all the war, 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 war. No, I will. I will try that out. I mean, I, he keeps he keeps me coming back, so I guess he's he's making his money. Yeah. For yeah. at least an issue. All right. Next email. John says, long time listener, first time writer, love the show, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, John. I've been racking my brain for the ultimate question to ask you guys as fan mail discussion topic and may have something to stump you, at least for a moment. So if you could take your dream book, Connor, Batman, Ron, Uncanny X-Men, Josh Hellblazer, put any creative team on these books, who would you choose and why? Ooh. The... That's not my dream book. Well, it's pretty close these days, I think. What is your no. dream book then? What is your dream book then? I don't know. See? Uh, there you, go. <laughs> no, you can't even classify yourself. Yeah. Probably, probably something. I mean, but the thing is, my favorite books would be something like, like Powers or something like that, but they're so closely aligned with the people right. who are working on that. Yeah, well, you can't. Yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta exclude any creator owned books from this question. So, let, let, Connor and I will go first, then you can think of it. All right, Connor, Batman, Dream Team for Batman. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cop out to say the Dream Team would be like Daredevil's current team of Rucko, Brubaker, and Lark, but that would be it. I don't think but, that's a cop out. Well, it's kind of because they the two guys already already wrote Batman. Right. Um, so that'd be that'd be the dream team. But I I also think that DC should find some new blood and put them on Batman because I can't think of anybody else really who no. besides those guys. DC needs to find new writers in general. I think they need to find someone new to put on Batman. They Maybe should get Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko and Herb yeah. Trimp on art. That'd movies. be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. X-Men, I mean, it's a kind of a cop-out, but it would be Claremont, <laughs> Claremont and Jim Lee circa 1989. <laughs> no, See, but, we're just going back to our no, no, I know, favorite but, period of time. But, yeah, but actually, that's, yeah, that's ch- a challenge. I, I would be interested to see Jeff Johns write X-Men, based off what he's been doing with, with you know Justice Society wow. and things like that. And art-wise, that's a really good question. I mean, what, I mean, I loved Cassidy. I mean, he's been my favorite artist, you know, recently. I, I don't like Simone Bianchi. I'm trying to think of what artist out there that I would love, you know. Like, it's easy for me to say Carl Kershaw on Flash because I saw him do Flash and I want him to do Flash, stuff like that. But it's hard It's hard for me Marcos to... Martin. Mar- yeah, Marcos Martin. Yeah, Marcos Martin or Ryan Otley. There you go. I, I'd actually, if I had to pick somebody new uh, playing the game, I, I would, the only person I could think of would be Jason Aaron to see how he would write Batman. But other than that, somebody, yeah. somebody new. Yeah. Josh, I don't know. I've been sitting this whole time trying to think of a title. <laughs> You're I mean, 
I am. <laughs> I mean, like, I, like honestly, if I were to think of like an ongoing title that I've always wanted to be reading, it'd be something like Avengers. Yeah. And I've been really happy with Bendis on that. So I don't know if there's anybody who would be better. Oh, for play that. the game. I'm trying Just to, put, but pick we don't someone have, new instead of Bendis. Say Bendis died of a heart attack tomorrow. Who would you Who would you pick to replace him on on, on Avengers? I'm sick right now, and I'm not going to come up with an answer. And we're going to sit here in silence. All right, so then, fine. Either. I'll try to fill in something on the message on the iFanboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you okay, have any on. questions and you want to try to stump Josh, because apparently it's very easy to do, you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com. <laughs> all right, on to the voicemail. Um, we got a voicemail that uh, ponders a, uh, a question that we all struggle with. Hey, guys, it's Sean calling out of Lansing, Michigan, and I have a question for you. Um, what comic books in recent days would you, I, and I'm only asking this because I heard someone talking about finding an Invincible number one and sending it out to CGC. I have never had anything graded, but I've always wanted to, but it's hard for me to actually determine, you know, which ones you think would be worth it getting graded. And I actually do have one through three of Invincible that I think, you know, I was on the fence at first, but now I think I'm definitely going to send number one in. But what other comics in recent years that, you know, some people might have been lucky enough to own do you think they should get graded? You know, like, I just happen to have a Outsiders number one that I have yet – I I quit reading after number one. I didn't care for it. But anyway, things like that. If you could let me know, that would be just gravy. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. You know, I think this is really fascinating because when we first started collecting comics, at least Connor and I or whatever, like, or at least for me, like, chasing down number one issues was, like, a lot of, like, was part of the yeah. game. Like, I went and got right. X-Factor number one, I got Excalibur number one, all that kind of stuff. I haven't thought about chasing down a number one issue in years. Yep, like, not not in at least ten years. Yeah, I know the, la- the last time I did it was I was going to – I got, like, the first 12 Astro Cities. Yeah, and that's why it's funny because when I got Invincible number one, I, I got that I got that moment of excitement again. I'm like, ooh, I got, I got issue number one. But, like, I, I, I mean, the thing – the problem is that this question is hard for us because we're generally anti-CGC and anti-slabbing because, I mean, I'm of the belief that you bought the comic, you should read it and be able to read it. And in case it in the plastic, to, to me, seems that, 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 to defeat the purpose. But I understand some people like to do that, and that's part of the thing. That said, I've heard The Walking Dead number one is a, is a highly sought-after comic. I wouldn't yeah, slab anything, no matter what it was. No, but I mean, I, I there's some people on YouTube who would, who would want to argue with you, Connor. I'll take all those YouTube bastards on. <laughs> you can't even afford a decent shirt. <laughs> I can't. I'll fight them shirtless. Like Kirk, but I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's just a matter of finding a book that's that's valuable, that's that's rare, that you know, like maybe Scalp Number One might be worth it in the you know someday. Why the last nothing, man number nothing, one? Nothing, no. nothing, nothing, nothing now. Nothing yeah. in the last twenty years is going to be worth slabbing. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to do anything like it's a, it have to be something that's actually rare and worth like. Well, what you know. it, what it is is it's the stupid sketch variant from Wizard World LA and stuff like that. Those are the ones that are you know highly sought after, and it's it's, it's a it's a manufactured market, you know. But so. only by like eighteen people. Right. Yeah. I know. I mean, like I can't I can't imagine there's much enough of a market for those to make it worth it. But if you had like, listen, if you had Fantastic Four number one from 1962, I understand that. You'd want to protect that, you know. You don't want to right. touch it all the time. You know that what, that makes sense. What I do find interesting is that there's a whole community of people who are all into the CGC thing, and apparently they they have like kind of like reputation or karma or like points uh, with their account. And so like if you have like the only nine point nine of let's say Invincible number one, you have a higher point value for like your personage. And like oh good, they've they've set up a fucking hierarchy amongst the yeah exa- exactly yeah. exactly so like so if you've got a bunch of books that maybe people aren't slamming because nobody cares about you can get them slammed and you can raise your your karma up 
I would love to see Alan Moore on Hellblazer. Uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> By the way, Ron was kidding about sending his Invincible to CGC. He's not yes, doing I'm it. not doing that. No. All right. Go check out uh, our New York Con show to see why how our how we feel about. Yeah. Uh, or go to YouTube and, and search uh, iFanboy and CGC. CGC. Yeah. And if you have any questions for us, you can call us on the voicemail line at one eight 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 Fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Hey everybody, it's Connor, and I'm breaking into the show to let you know that last week Josh and I sat down for a chat with Paul Cornell, the writer of Captain Britain and MI13, the Wisdom miniseries, and the upcoming Fantastic Four True Story miniseries. He's also a writer of TV and things like Doctor Who, you might recognize that one. So if you want to check that show out, you can look on the feed underneath this current show, or you can go to ifanboy.com and go to the podcast section and search out that. Now, back to the show. And real quick reminder that summer movies are afoot. You got Hellboy uh, Wanted was last week. We had our special edition podcast, which you can listen to. Um, Hellboy's coming out next week. We're going to do a special edition podcast then. Dark Knight's coming in two weeks. And then also, don't forget to pick up uh, your movie tickets through Fandango and go to ifanboy.com, uh, click on one of the links uh, on one of the banners, and, and that helps us out in the long run. So we appreciate it. And when you're there, you can check out all the great discussion we've got going at ifanboy.com. You can, check, you can read Ron's Pick of the Week review. You can read all the new columnists we've got going. It's a fun time. Happy fun time. Fun time. Happy time. <laughs> Be sure to go to ifanboy.com forward slash store where you can pick up all your comics and DVDs and video games, all stuff like that through Amazon.com through our partnership with them. So ifanboy.com forward slash store. Uh, lest you didn't know about our video show, there is one. And we are on Wednesdays now instead of Saturday. So uh, it's when the comics come out. You it's- see the – you see the simpatico there? This this past week, you will have seen the second annual barbecue show just in time for the 4th of July where I wore a shirt that I shouldn't have. And then next week, Hellboy, because there's a movie coming out, let's be honest. <laughs> we, we did a Hellboy show once. We're doing, we're doing a further continuance of a Hellboy show. But we promise you there's new stuff in it. Yeah. Also, in addition to that, our iFanboy mini show, which comes out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday now. That's the new schedule. You can check that out every morning. Our little one to three minute, four or five minute uh, little comic book snack for you. Yes. Uh, if you dig iFanboy, tell everybody about it. Tell them about the video show. Tell them to watch it. And also uh, buy a t shirt. Go to jinx.com forward slash iFanboy. It's big iFanboy logo. Show your pride at jinx.com forward slash iFanboy. Uh, like we said before, you can email us at contact at iFanboy. Leave a message at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Really about anything because we take all sorts of stuff. So there. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, sorry. Uh, if you like social networks, you can, you can <laughs> check us out at ifanboy.com slash about, MySpace, Comic Space, Verb, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff can be found at that link slash about. <laughs> and if you um, if you like us, if you like what we do, if you like the show, if you like the video show, write a review on iTunes. Uh, that's where the majority of you get it. So leave a review. Um, we've got w- w- hundreds of reviews, and we and we're greedy. We want more. And but also even more importantly, if you got friends who are into comics and they're not listening or watching the show, or if you want to make friends in comics and go to your comic store, tell you you know, use the store as a conversation point. Hey, did you check out iFanboy this week? Spread help us spread the word. We would Those jackasses don't like Mark Miller. Well, yeah. actually, it was just the one guy. Well, and then it goes on forever, and yeah. then you make new friends. Look at the fun. Um, and <laughs> while you're there, if your comic shop gives you a discount, then you have some extra money. You could go so far as to make a donation to iFanboy, which would be very, very helpful to us. We hope that we add a lot to your comic book reading experience and everything. So if you found it in your heart to give back a little bit, we would very much appreciate it because this stuff don't grow on trees. Well, it does, but you get my point. So uh, that's ifanboy.com slash donations. 
And thank you to everybody who's donated. And thank you for everybody who comes to iFanboy.com and posts and, and participates. You guys really make it. I mean, uh, we probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So We definitely wouldn't. Well, actually, that's not true. We did the site for we seven did, years. We, did, we liked it a we lot more. Five years. Just, five years. <laughs> can I t- also just uh, totally – speaking of that same thing, Connor's post about the ten things he loves about comics, yeah. that was a great post. Yeah. But under that, the I was were crazy. touched. Yeah, like I was really amazed to see all the effort and everything that people put into that, and it made for a really good read. And like Connor wasn't kidding when he said no negativity. I mean, yeah. that was a, that was a beautiful thing. And yeah. so, if you haven't been to the site to check that out, get over there and and check that out because it was really something neat. Yeah, it was really really good. Um, that was a great post. That was some good stuff. Uh, I love my fanboy. <laughs> I love to end the show so I can turn the air conditioning back on. I know, exactly. All right, so we're going to turn the air conditioning back on. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I would put Alan Moore on Avengers. <laughs> Who's drawing, though? You're obsessed Brian with Brian Ballen. Oh, okay, cool. How I'd awesome that. would that That's be? A good, You're you damn go. right you'd buy that. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to think about it. Yeah, I'd probably buy that. Yeah, I would do that. <laughs> if it was a light week, I'd give it a look. God. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would crack the internet in half. <laughs> crack the internet in half. Totally. Would that be the biggest book in years? It'd be up there. It'd have to be. Yeah, yeah I think it would. Yeah. Yeah.